welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. We are back with the new year. I need to share my screen. Welcome back to season 13. We are starting our new season with the new year episode one welcome back good to have everybody with us again hopefully you had a great break over the holidays rejuvenated for the new year good to see you ali and camille hello 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 anybody do anything fun and exciting since we last met i never do anything fun or exciting <laughs> I got stuck in the snow of Wyoming. We were, I, my in-laws live in Wyoming and we went there over the break and uh, had to stay overnight in a small town in Wyoming because the roads all got closed with the weather. And so that was fun. Oh my goodness. But we made it the next day, then they opened up the next day and roads weren't too bad. So we survived, but um yeah, so we are starting off our new season. Um, one change we're making for, for this year and, and going forward, we're going to shorten our seasons a little bit. So we're going to do uh, seasons of eight episodes, roughly over a two-month, and then take a month off. But what that means is we're going to do more seasons um, in the year. So we'll get one a quarter. So we'll kind of go on a quarterly basis. So eight episodes per uh, season, but an extra episode every year. Um, and that will give us a little bit more time to, to prep and, and um, get ready for each season, take a little bit more of a break. But um, so that will be coming this year, but we have fun, exciting uh, things that we hope to accomplish this year. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in um in some further episodes. So I'll walk through what we're gonna be talking about today. We always start our show with our round the bases, talking about what's going on. We've been gone for a few weeks and so there's lots that happened since our last season. Um, then we will do a spotlight on Ontario primary sponsor. And then I'm going to highlight one of Ontario's forms and we'll do some, some fun, exciting stuff and showcase 
how to build some advanced forms. And then Camille is going to take it up a notch and build some even cooler forms using Make and custom HTML inside of Make. And then a quick shout out to join our community. And then Ali will round it up with some scripts on displaying editable values. And that will be our show. So we always um, start off with our round the bases. And we need to address the elephant in the room. Since we last met, there was a, uh, there's a website. I don't know if you've all been to this website, layoffs.fyi. Um, it's really just a redirect to the use Airtable. And they track basically all the layoffs that uh, happen that are happening in the tech world. There are quite a few every day. There seems to be more companies adding. But back here on December 8th, there's an entry for Airtable. Airtable had a pretty massive round of layoffs, laying off 20% of the workforce, roughly 250 um, employees. So that happened after that. I, th I think it was the week, our last show, right after that, that same week. I think it happened um, quite unexpected. How, how did you all take it? What was your initial reaction? What's your reaction a couple of weeks later? Definitely a bummer, huge bummer. Um, always a bummer to hear about layoffs. That's yeah. for sure. They're coming more and more often nowadays. Um, definitely was really sad to hear. I knew a lot of the employees that were affected and hope they're doing well. Um, really sad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very unexpected. You, if you read the, you know, all the tech crunch and I believe how he put out is the, the email that he sent to all the employees, they made that public. So you can read that on Airtable's blog, I believe. Um, but just, yeah, just kind of heartbreaking, unexpected. I was chatting with um, a member of the Airtable team that morning and it was interesting. I don't believe he knew at the time that it was happening, but he mentioned somebody else who was supposed to be on the call couldn't because of some emergency. And then like literally an hour later, I think it, it got the word got sent around. And so and unfortunately, this person was was part of the layoffs. And so I spoke to him like an hour before he found out. So it was pretty, pretty sad to hear. Camille, what was your reaction? Uh, you know, it's it's very sad because obviously we use Airtable ourselves quite a lot. And there are some uh, over the course of time when you use a product more and more, you uh, meet uh, different people who actually work for that company. And so I think we'd all had um, instances where we're like, oh, well, this person was very helpful in getting me whatever I needed to do uh, so I could use Airtable better. And then it just it you know, you, you see it from the other side and you just, uh, you know, you're disheartened, uh, on, on their behalf, especially since, you know, some of the people, uh, that I know who worked at Airtable, I thought were, uh, very, very good at their jobs. And so I, I only hope that they find a different, uh, path forward that is beneficial to them and they can keep being awesome at what they do. Yep. Yep. 
There was some insights that um, Howie shared in his email that I thought were interesting, um, in particular, really doubling down on on enterprise. Um, I think he made that very clear in, in his email and part of the reason for transitioning and some people leaving. There was actually two C-level executives that um, parted ways as part of this. So kind of a transition in focus. Um, just good and bad. Uh, I don't. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I do think there is value in in making an open platform like Airtable that's accessible to everybody, and it eventually bubbles up into the enterprises through kind of an organic um, approach. So I hope they don't lose that aspect of their product and business. But what are your thoughts on on kind of their focus and? comments that he made uh i think I, I was using Airtable just the other day for like very quick data cleanup like we have uh my obligatory one per season i'm an urban planner and we were doing a project where we're doing design standards that says in order to have a good building you must select three items from this list three items from this list three items from this list and we had accumulated those same lists over the course of my company being in, in business for something like 80 years. So I wanted to deduplicate those three different lists. And I just dumped them all into an Airtable and moved stuff around and did some filtering and all of that to help clean up this very simple thing that was never going to live in Airtable. I just wanted it cleaned up and then moved back into the Word file where it, it lives. Uh, and... I had a moment where I thought to myself, what if I had to build this with SQL? <laughs> or what if I, I've been getting into Xano more recently. I really like Xano. There's no way I would do the same task in Xano, this very, very simple use case. Um, and sometimes when I think of Airtable, I think of things like that. And sometimes yeah. I think of my clients who, you know, send invoices and do contracts and all of these business, business things. And um, I think Airtable is uh, sometimes better suited to the former and sometimes better suited for the latter. And if you push towards the enterprise level, you might lose the former and that would make me sad. Yeah. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, it is important. I think it's a tough line to toe, right? Like there's like as I've worked with more and more companies, I have seen a bigger push for, you know, more features, more business-like like, uh, abilities to come out of Airtable, which is good and it's needed. But I do think there might be a risk of alienating a larger portion of their customer base by focusing so hard on enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see how that how that plays out in traction. But um, yeah, that was kind of the reasoning behind some, you know, staff members of just kind of refocusing and, and keeping attention on certain areas and scaling back on others. Um, but quite a few people um, addressed and we shall see how that plays out. Hopefully, like you said, that they all find good employment. Um, from the looks of it, if you look at this list, it is going to be a tough market. I just noticed this one today. It looks like Coinbase, another one, big one. <clears throat> wow, the sum at the bottom is just depressing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is uh, interesting. Oh and that, not, not even all of them, because some of them like this doesn't have a number. Right. So you don't know <clears throat> how many that is. So yeah, we're in for some interesting times in the in the market, especially in the, the tech market. Mm -hmm. Let's see. But there was um, some positives coming out of Airtable. Um, I believe we've already addressed the new community. I think that came out before we ended. Um, so we've already discussed the new community and good and bad of that. Uh, that's an ongoing topic. I'm sure we'll hear more about maybe other things in the work. We'll see. Um, but they did announce um, two product releases, I believe both in beta. So this first one is a sync API. So more on the developer side. Um, anybody want to explain this? Have you looked at this? I forgot it happened. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not the one to explain this one. Yeah. It basically is you, it allows you to um, use an API. So there's a new endpoint that um, you can push data to it and kind of provide a mapping and it will update or create if that, if that field exists. So it's kind of a, a bulk um, update feature, but it, it supports up to 10,000 rows. Um, and uh two megabytes per request, rate limited. And um, give a shout out to Scott Rose, friend of the show. There might be other things in the works. Scott might have something up his sleeves. We shall find out. We'll definitely have him on in the future to, to share with anything he's got cooking. So um, yeah, so with this one, um, yeah, this could be interesting. We'll see. Um, we might explore this for backups to, to help sync backups back in if needed. So this is something we're looking at. Definitely. So do you think, would it be safe to like compare this to like an automated version of the CSV import extension? Right. So exactly. Like that, yeah, that, I could see how that's hugely beneficial. Right. So is it like, and this, I haven't played around with it, but I'm assuming that if it's saying so 10,000 rows, if you have a CSV that's 10,000 rows and you sync it up to this API that you, you don't have to do the like 50 by 50, like update in batches, right? It's just going to suck up the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's hugely beneficial. I could see a lot of use cases for that. Yeah. And Scott asks if it's similar to sending CSV files as emails. That is my guess and my understanding. So the bad part about this, which is what Scott's probably alluding to, is you actually have to set up a new table and yeah. make the source be the essentially the sync API is your source endpoint, similar to if you were syncing from any of their other um, endpoints that they support. Um, right, which yeah. makes it a little sinky, right? That's so I guess it's kind of different than the CSV import extension updates an existing table where as this is like you, you lose your ability to update the, the data manually. Right. Right. So, it, yeah. 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 And that's what he's asking. Yeah. Scott yep. asked that. Which is interesting because then it's it, it's not really a sync. It's definitely not a two way sync. I really I think it's a one way sync from your source into Airtable. 
um, dynamically. Yeah, which is, which can not be ideal um, in dealing with that. So you really have to think of it as like, okay, yeah, this is really just pulling in data from a, an external source dynamically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, so that's one feature release. There was another one um, in the forms. So we have a theme of, of forms today. Um, so Airtable updated their form. So now you can um, opt in to this functionality to collect respondent email addresses automatically, which requires a sign in. So on the form, there's a new toggle um, right here. It says collect respondent email address automatically. But what that means is if you toggle this, that means everybody has to have or create a new account with Airtable, free account. Um, and um, so it's a good way for Airtable to collect uh, more emails from people. <laughs> I think it's a growth hack thing, but I think there's use cases for it because now you can you don't even have to ask for emails. I think it'll automatically. Does it, let's see, is this with a collaborator field or does it? I believe it is. It'll yeah. input into the created by field oh, as yeah. opposed to being anonymous as it used to be. Um, yeah. yeah so it basically see, creates read-only collaborators. Yeah, I, I could see pros and cons. Um, if you have a use case where, especially if you're using interfaces, everyone who so looks at your interface has to have an Airtable account anyway. So it's not like, oh, I need to make my, you know, uh, clients or customers or whatever have to get an extra account. They already had one. But if you aren't in that uh, space, then yeah, it might not, you, you wouldn't be able to do wide, wide audience forms, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. I kind of see this as more of an internal tool. I don't think I would use it as an external feature, right? Because right. I think just like what right. you said, I think some, some people might be like, I don't want to sign up for another thing. But if, you, if you're already using it internally, that's a huge benefit to be able to see instead of anonymous for the form submission, like because that gets annoying if you are using forms in an internal sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and this is what it looks like if if they come to it. It requires them to to uh, log in or create a, a new account. So, yeah, it's good if you want everything inside of Airtable. Mm -hmm. So that is cool. Oh yeah, and, and um, Jan Databaser, um, he actually noticed this a month or two before this announcement. And he kind of talked about using it to create a mini portal um, solution. So if you read his post here that he links to, mm -hmm. um, it's a good way to kind of create a portal system. All right, moving on. Um, this one is just kind of a general web article that might be worth a read. Actually, it's a video, but they, they summarize it in this article. Um, so Howie spoke at a recent Saster event, which is a big um, B2B software conference and lays out his um, what he's doing and what Airtable is doing to move up market into the enterprise. So interesting tidbits. Um, and you can see that this, I think the interview happened before the layoffs, although it was published um, after. 
but I believe it took place before, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but one thing I thought was interesting, he says, choose your competitors wisely. And he talks about um, spe specifying like what market you want to play in and who you want your competitors to be. And so he doesn't specifically, um, you know, give names of who they think their competitors are, but just kind of reading between the lines. So he talks about initially being kind of compared with Asana and Trello and kind of more like just task management systems. But now where they're moving, they talked about their new connected apps um, platform and trying to really move out of just task management and more into the world of like the sales forces of the world and Microsoft's of the world. So by their defining of their, of their, of themselves, they're trying to reposition themselves appears. Yep. All right. Moving on something from the, um, from the, uh, built on air community this is uh, mike from aeropage and you should check out aeropage um, he's building some some cool apps and right now a lot of them are free um, to use i don't know if that'll always be the case but there's some cool stuff at uh, his website at aeropage but um, he showcases this video i won't i won't open it but um, basically talks about how you can automatically pull um, or paste attachments into the attachment field. So not just pull, but if you wanted to um, pull up a, um, if I were to add an attachment uh, field, if you like copy an image and you wanna paste it, you can't just paste it into here and you can't paste it into here but if you just click right up in this header area and then paste, it will actually <clears throat> paste your image as an attachment or your file as an attachment. So it's a kind of a cool hack. That is so funny to me. That's so, that why? Who figured this yeah. out? And, and, and what was the sequence of events that <laughs> led, led us here? Yeah. Yeah, so shout out to Mike for finding that uh, secret upload. Um, let me see if, yeah, it's, I tried it. It does work, and he shows in the video it, it works. You just click up in the upper section and then paste, and then you're good to go. So that's if you, like, copy an image, like if you, like, right-click on an image somewhere and say copy image, or, yeah. or link, does it work with the link to image, too? I don't Maybe. think so. I think it has to be in your clipboard. Okay. Can you can you do an image source directly into the attachment field? Because it the API only takes uh, URLs to images. Um, if you do the link. Yeah, with the link there, yeah. And I've noticed you can't copy and paste an image URL into an attachment field, but if you use an automation to copy the URL and paste it into the attachment field, that does render the image, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So Garrett, Garrett likes that uh, info. Amazing piece of information. I agree. <clears throat> yeah, that is cool. So that's helpful if you do a lot of copy and pasting of, of attachments. Um, so that is from there. And then a couple quick ones from the, uh, Airtable, um, community in Facebook. Um, 
This one I thought was cool. Uh, former Airtable engineer, Steven uh, Zong, and longtime user um, kind of built this, this little hack of a website. Um, I guess he really wanted to see um, if you have a shared view link, it doesn't have previews of the images um, in the or the preview, I guess, of that link doesn't have the images when you like post it to Twitter or something like that. Um, and so I guess he found a way to um, override the, the, the rendered um, preview. And so all you have to do is just replace Airtable.com with Airtable.cool and then use the same share link. And then it will add uh, a preview image like this. I love that. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice little hack. It looks like it's free. Last time I went to this, when I saw this the other day, sometime working. Let's see if it works today. Slow. <laughs> that is I, I do really like that because I, I have this works oh yeah I was just gonna say I get frustrated too seeing just the like there organize everything on Airtable like that's all the image says usually when you share mm -hmm. it anyway yeah 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 I was yeah on Twitter I was noticing that a lot of people sharing you know a Twitter shared view and it just always says Airtable yeah love that yeah yeah garrett yeah we should do a segment on all the cool hacks yeah we try to showcase these whenever they come up but um cool stuff going on all right last one from the facebook community uh chris dancy made an exciting announcement i think there's more information coming but there is a date for the next dare table and it's going to be in San Francisco. And the dates are, this comes up, uh, May 17th and 18th. So mark your calendars, May 17th and 18th. Um, all three of us were there, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We were all there in the so, first one. So I don't know. Well, the if first we'll in be person there for one. The next one. First the first one. yeah the first one was digital second one was in person in austin texas and now the third one is going to be in san francisco and fun fact even though i'm born and raised in california i've never been to san francisco wow so yeah <laughs> yeah all right now we've got a reason you can watch the uh video of after kavan i know camille you're in this one Ali, I don't know if you're in this one as well. I am. <laughs> Scott is amazed. <laughs> I don't leave the house. <laughs> I often refuse to on principle. Yep. So this was a cool event. It's just awesome to see people in person. Um, you saw kind of everybody. So shout out to Chris and uh, Ben, if Ben's involved on the next one. Um, 
And uh, yeah, excited for that. I love they just go to wherever Airtable is located. Last time it was in Austin. Airtable had a, has an office there. And now we're going to their headquarters in San Francisco. <laughs> Yay. And so, then we'll go to New York. Yep, that's right. That's right. That'd be good. So exciting. So mark your calendars. Um, maybe we'll do a show from from there. We talked about that last time. Didn't happen, but maybe this is the year we do that. <clears throat> We're having too much fun. All right. Yep. Any other uh, exciting news, Airtable related, that we didn't touch on? Can't think of any. Okay. All right. Let's move on. So quick shout out to Ontoware, our primary sponsor. I won't talk too much because of the next segment. We'll actually dive deeper in, but Ontoware is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that help you do more with your Airtable environment. If you're running your business on Airtable, you definitely need to check out Ontoware and augment what you've already got going in Airtable. So with that, our first segment is a deep dive into our onto air forms and how they work. And I'm going to showcase that. And the reason why I wanted to do that is I want to do some predictions for 2023 on what's going to happen with Airtable, the Airtable ecosystem. What are your predictions? So, well, I am historically bad at this. So (laughs) let's, uh, let's see how I do. So while I'm walking through this, I'm going to post a link to the uh, comments and anybody that's listening live, we'd love to get your predictions. Feel free to fill out the form. Camille and Allie, you can fill out your form as well and put your predictions in there. And so I'm going to walk through how I built this form and add some tweaks to it. Um, So... The main thing that you like to do in forms is create or update um, records. Ontair Forms allows you to update existing records or create new ones. In this example, we're just creating new ones because we're just creating new predictions, but you, we could make it to where you can go back and edit your predictions if you wanted. Um, and so we'll walk through that. So the first thing that we do is we basically Um, if I were to go through this process again, you just create a new one, you'll connect your API connection to Airtable, then it will display the list of your bases that you have access to select your base and your primary table of where you're going to be saving, um, your submissions to when the form is submitted. And then, um, then you'll come into here and you'll come into our designer to design your form. And the first thing that you'll do is you'll add fields to um, your form. So you'll decide which fields from that table that you specified in the initial phase, what fields you want to add to your form. You don't have to add all the fields. Um, And then once you add those fields, then you click done. We also have custom fields. Um, like static text, dividers, formulas, and uh, our link field display um, item. And so you can add some custom fields as want. Those are maybe more of an advanced. But um, once you have your fields, then you can click on any of them and configure them 
You can modify the title, the subtitle, the helper text. You can de decide if you want it to be an optional field, which is the default. You can make it required um, or you can disable it or you can just display the value of that field and not make it editable or you can hide the field so it's used just on submission, for example. Um, there's other things you can do. I won't walk through everything, but um, you can also set default values. So for this one, I set the default value for the for the dropdown field of what year you're making your prediction for to be the current year, 2023. You could also um, use a URL parameter to pre-fill that if you wanted to. Um, you could also on dropdown fields, you could allow the user to on the fly, create new submissions. So if I wanted the user to create a year, a year submission that is not currently in my dropdown list, um, you could do that and they could type in their own custom value for that dropdown field. Um, you can do some more advanced stuff. So for a checkbox, you can modify what the labels are. You can specify yes or no. You can also even specify how it's displayed. There's different um, ways that you can display it, either as a checkbox, a switch, a button, or a select dropdown. Um, so with checkbox fields, there's different ways to display them. And then the powerful aspect of it is when you're dealing with linked records. So I think I skipped a step. I'm going to showcase how the, the structure of the base is in Airtable. So you always start with building your, your base in Airtable. So I'm going to have um, my submission field. That's my main field of where I'm saving everything into. And then a submission can have multiple predictions. So you can enter multiple predictions all in one um, submission. So my predictions here um, has your table here of all the predictions that you're making. And um, and um, and then it links to them. So it's a one-to-many relationship. So a submission, it can link to multiple predictions. So how that looks in onto air is you specify, I added this uh, linked record field, and then you can specify what fields you want to display. <clears throat> so you could display multiple fields if you wanted in the table listing. I, I just needed the prediction for this one. Um, and then, and there's more that you can specify in here if you want it to only show on the listing or on the lookup, if you're looking up existing ones. And then on your subform, you specify if you want to allow users to create new um, records, update existing records, look up existing. So in this case, I don't want them to look up existing predictions. I only want people to create new ones. So I turned off the ability to update um, existing predictions or look up existing predictions. So there's only the ability to create new ones. So if I look at the preview, um, there's only gonna be a create new button. If I toggle these on, then there will be other buttons to look up or edit existing um, items in there. And then I'll come into here and I wanna manage my subform. And so this is where you specify when you're creating a new record, whether uh, what fields you want on that subform that gets created. And so you can configure this subform and you can actually have subforms within subforms. So you can have 
multi tiers of linked records, multiple tiers down the road. So it actually is unlimited. I probably wouldn't suggest doing more than three. It kind of gets unwieldy to try to manage that. But in theory, you can have um, inception going on where you can actually have links going back to the parent uh, table. So it, you can get as tricked out as you want to with your your inception of, of linked records. Um, and then there's other things you can specify if you allow for looking up existing records, you can specify how to search for those records, how to filter those records that can be added. So lots of amazing stuff that you can do with um, with that. So Scott says, rename it to Ontario Inception. I like that. Okay, so now we have our um, form, all our fields configured. I've made a couple required. Um, and then I'm going to my page submission. And one thing I realized I forgot was um, just putting something at the top of my form. So I'm gonna um, update my editor and um, this is Markdown. So it provides you the Markdown syntax as well as the display of what you want, of what it'll look like. Um, you can actually specify and just deal with the preview mode or just the editor mode. I like the split mode where you kind of see both um so i forgot to put something at the header so we'll just keep it simple but you can do anything there and then now if i open it up it should show my new header that i added there we go and so now you enter your form and now this is what the form looks like um enter your name value year um little marketing will let you know if you're about onto air so quick yes you're interested um and then here is where you create your prediction so you click on this and then this is a markdown editor because it's a rich text field so it has markdown support and um has this header to help you um, do anything in markdown you want to do and so now you can enter your prediction of what you want it to be click add and then that will add it here and then once you submit your form and have everything submitted you'll get the submission page you can also modify the submission page of what that looks uh, under the page settings you can specify the text that you want it to display you can also add some buttons to create a new one or go somewhere next if you want to take them to another form or another website um, so lots that you can do on here. So with your predictions entered, let's take a look. Let's see what kind of predictions we've got. So um, let's see here. Okay, so my testing take over the world, Airtable is going to. Um, the prediction I had is Airtable is not going to hit their launch date for their connected app platform. They said Q1. Last year, I think with the layoffs, I don't think that they're going to make that. So my prediction is the vision of their connected apps and they had some specifics as part of that. Um, I don't think that's gonna make it for Q1. Ali says, Airtable will be more ubiquitous than Excel and Google Sheets by 2025. All right, so I'm gonna keep track of these. That one is yet to happen. <laughs> it's a little subjective, but. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Camille says, interfaces will allow conditional visibility of elements, including containers based on the current user or record data. Example, display chart, if count of link transaction is greater than zero. Very specific. Yeah, <laughs> it's needed. It should be there. They already yeah. have conditional visibility in some aspects, like, oh, you can only see, certain records will only appear in a list if they meet certain criteria what I want and what I think they'll add because it's relatively easier than that is just don't show this thing at all if certain conditions are met. Yep. Yep. Necessary. And your second one, form views will get a similar but simplified layout engine as interfaces allowing fields to be placed side by side. I don't like that one because that competes with forms. <laughs> but that would be good. That if would you, be good. The form things inside of interfaces let you put fields next to each other and i'm like well this seems like a gimme for form yeah. views but of course we talked about this in previous seasons when new features get added their code base is newer than the older aspects of the product like form views have been there forever so i think they would have to do some other adjustments under the hood in order for that to work but anyway that's I don't know, sometime in 2023, maybe. Yep, yep, we shall see. So yeah, uh, you out watching live or if you're watching a recording of this or listening, um, we have a link in the comment section. Uh, Want to hear your predictions? I'll collect these. Maybe we'll share some more in a future episode and we'll kind of track them, see who whose predictions come to pass. And um, so yeah, hopefully that showcases the power of what you can do in in Ontario forms we are still in private beta wrapping up a couple um, finishing touches hope to go out of private beta um, this month or next and um, but we do have people using it in production seeing some amazing results and um, we have a new case study out on how Jen Rudd from grow with Jen uses this new forms to um, to do that. So Melanie, I see yours. You got to enter it into the form for it to be count to count. Melanie says a mass exodus to smart suite. So we'll see. Hopefully not. I, I'm, I'm still on the Airtable bandwagon. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Camille is going to show us a different variation, different to take on, on, on forms. Go for it, Camille. All right, everyone can see my screen? Yep. All right, let me zoom in just in case. So um, I recently had a client who had very specific uh, uh, use case that they wanted to solve. They had effectively a project um, that their own clients would be assigned to. I'm gonna do this project for Jim and it has something like 10 tasks. And some of those tasks needed to be approved by their client before they could begin the project. And what they wanted was to send in an email, a link to a form where the client would just see the name of the project at the top and then list every task that requires their approval. And then them to click a check, a checkbox next to each of those tasks and then hit submit. When they submit it, anything that they checked off would be marked as approved in Airtable. Now there's a bunch of ways that this could be done um, with a lot of different form solutions or even using 
something like document or um, e-signature.io where you can pre-populate um, a template with a series of checkboxes in them, but having a dynamic number of checkboxes was difficult um, in a lot of my initial testing. So I decided to just make a form out of HTML, good old HTML. People remember that. That's a thing that builds most web pages. But uh, I reproduced a simplified version of their use case here. Um, you'll see I have a project and I have a bunch of tasks linked to that project. If I go to the tasks table, you'll see I have a checkbox for whether or not it's approved, the date it was approved, <coughs> status, assignee, some other things, uh, an attachment field, et cetera. So what they wanted was to send an, uh, a link in an email. I'm not gonna go over the automation because it's very simple, but effectively this link would be pasted into an email. Um, email. They'd be able to click on, click it, and then they'd be presented with this. What we're looking at right now is a page created using uh, Make, the artist formerly known as Integromat, um, <laughs> that displays this table of all of the linked tasks for that project. And then you'd be able to go through and say, I approve numbers two and three, but not four through eight. Um, for the purposes of this demo, I have elected to show any task that has already been approved as a checkbox that has been disabled. So you can't change it after the fact. Um, obviously, this can be edited, but um, I want to prove two and three in this go. And if I go back to tasks, you'll see currently they're not approved. But if I go back to my form and click submit, your tasks have now been approved. And now in Airtable, those have been updated. So just to walk through the two make scenarios that allow this to happen, I'm going to explain each one of these, um, hopefully in enough detail. So the first thing is a webhook. The um, button here, open URL, that is that webhook. All it's doing is saying, what is the record ID of whichever project I just clicked on? And it's passing that to the webhook. Then I have a module that searches through the projects table in my Airtable base and finds the project based on that record ID. From there, I have um, some variables set up. I have done this before, so I already know what I want the page to look like, uh, essentially, if I go back and then if I refresh it, it should have those two, yeah, these are now all disabled, but I'm looking at this to sort of show you guys how this page is set up. It's very simple, but what I wanted, um, I wanted the name of the page to come in as something other than just something blank or just saying, webhook. So I have it pre-filled with approved task four, and then as a variable, the name of the project that was clicked on, and then a bunch of styling stuff. I like styling. I have said before in the past that I hate Bootstrap. I still hate Bootstrap, but there was no way I was going to design, you know, these two pages in any sort of detail. So I just used Bootstrap. So <laughs> here I am eating crow. Um, <laughs> 
but uh, simple sort of breakdown of the page in my ooh, my internet is freezing. Uh oh. Okay, here we are. So it's a simple page. This is just a regular old table that, through the power of uh, You'll see there's a lot of things nested inside each other. Here's the table. Uh, this is a regular table, uh, but what Bootstrap helped with was making it um, display very nicely on the page. It's also semi-responsive. So on a phone, you would scroll to the right to get to the other columns of the table so it would fit. Uh, other things that I use from Bootstrap are things like badges. So the five pending tasks, you'll note Eight minus uh, the three approved is five using uh, their badges uh, class. It just made it uh, very, very easy to sort of set up in this way that I have it. So um, at the start of this scenario, I have one uh, variable that's putting together the page header that is linked to the bootstrap style sheet, name the page approved task for name of project and then set up all of my containers. And then another one for page footer, which is just closing all of the, uh, the HTML tags that need to be closed. Then for each task that is linked to my um, project, get the task record. If there are any attachments, split the attachment field. Attachments are arrays, even if there's only one attachment what I wanted in the, this form was to have them appear as a list where you can click on each one and then get the link to the image. Side note, we know that the images to the, uh, or the URLs to the images uh, from attachment fields will expire after some number of hours. Um, because this webhook is being fired every time you click on the link to open the form or to refresh the page. I think I'm okay. I think it's getting a fresh URL. I don't know. I haven't tested, but the odds that someone's going to be looking at this page for a number uh, for more than three hours, I think is slim. So I yeah. elected to ignore that possible hiccup, uh, but I'm vocalizing it now in case you're following along and you want to um, use this for some other use case. So essentially build a little URL to each attachment, um, if there are any to begin with, then compose a table row. So if you know how to build a table in HTML, you'll know that you'll need one tag for the row itself and then another tag for each cell in that row. And it's just pulling in all of my um, um, variables from the current task itself. Uh, then assemble all of those rows into one giant text block. And then I have another uh, uh, module that composes the form itself. So just some introductory text above it, the form itself, the action of the form is to submit this form to a different webhook. And I'll go over that in a second. Um, and then it just displays the form, including the header rows up at the top. And then all said and done, I have assembled my page header and my page footer, which I did before. And then this text that goes at the top of the page um, to say, here's how many tasks you have for approval 
for whatever the name of the project is. And then I did it this way because if there are no tasks for you to approve, I don't want to show them the form, which is why it's in a conditional if statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just say, this is an HTML dump that I'm giving you. It's a status 200 if everything went fine. And that's how we arrive here. Now, if I want to uh, once again, uh, approve something else, I'm presented with this page. This is accomplished with that second webhook. If I go back, approval form two. So with this webhook, what it's doing is it's receiving um, all of the form data that has been submitted. I only really have two fields. Um, the first field is the list of record IDs that had a checkbox. So um, that was accomplished in the each table row. At the start of the table row was a checkbox and all of them were part of the group called record IDs. So at the end of the day, I'll have an array of record IDs that were checked off and then technically submit is a um, input I don't need that at all because uh, the once it's once I'm here, it's been submitted. I don't need to do anything with that. I just need the record IDs. So for each task that was approved, get the um, get the Airtable record, and then I want to put in a timestamp of whatever time it is now as the date approved. I want to move the status to in progress. And then um, I want to mark approved as yes. So every time for each item I checked off, it will update each of those records individually. Um, It's going to do some stuff that's technically not um, technically not necessary. um, I don't think, but it's in a similar manner this time at the end because it's a very short scenario. I'm assembling the start of uh, my page and the end of my page as my header and footer. And then it's displaying that all together here. And that's how we end up with this page. And I believe that's it. Yeah, it's amazing how make can basically be the backend server to something like that. Yeah, I would only recommend this be done for very very simple things that like from a UI or user experience perspective would be better suited in this in this case. So my client was very specific about I want my customers to click a checkbox next to each thing and that be what marks it as approved. Mm-hmm. And so the cl- the closest I could get to their vision was to do this. But if you have a complex form, use a form solution like on the air. <laughs> Yes, that is incredible, Camille. Like, that's right. So- that's right. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you, Camille, for sharing that. Last question: How was the orange chicken? Hmm? That's what was on the receipt that you shared. Oh, <laughs> you know, it was it was fine. <laughs> I forgot when that's from. I was trying to get. I wanted to demonstrate what it would look like if I had an attachment, and that was the first image I had in my reel. And I was like, I don't know when this is from or why I have this receipt, but here it is. <laughs> That's perfect. Very cool. All right, we'll continue on um, quickly before we move to Ali's last segment, a quick shout out to the Built on Air community. We'd love to have you join us if you're not already in there. 
and um, we are we have a goal to get to 2,000 members of our community. So tell your friends, join everyone that's not already in our community. We'd love to have you. We have a very active Slack community, and join us at builtonair.com/join. All right, our final segment, get into some scripting with Ali. All right, all right. So this is a fairly simple use case that I uh, came across the other day. Um, it was not in this base, but I have a base that I've been working through um, trying to do some deduplication and, and or just try and clean up a lot of records on a table. So I've got this empty row here. And it looks to me like it's pretty empty, right? There's a unit number, but I can't see any other fields filled in here. But if I've got a lot of fields on this table and a lot of them are editable, some of them are formulas, of course, or rollups, but I don't wanna spend the time to like create a view, unhide all my editable fields to just see if there's anything important on this record. And even if I did do that, then there's, of course, a chance for user error, right? I could scroll across the entire table and have all my fields unhidden, but I still might miss something that this record has as part of it. So I wrote a pretty quick script that I'm just going to just show from the start here. Um, and the purpose of this script is to be able to pick a record, and it's just going to go through all of the field values for that record and display to you anything that's editable. And of course, this could be adjusted to show, you know, just all the fields, like maybe you want to just get a one page summary of all the field values for a record. And that's not a bad use case either. Um, but in this case, I took it a step further and got rid of um, all of the fields that are calculated, because I only care about things that are inputs on this record. Right. If it's linked to something else, then that's that counts as also an edit editable field. So I would see that field value as well in this script. Um, just to go over really quickly from the very top, I've just got script settings where um, I'm defining the title and a short description. Um, I've written this script so that we're we know what the active view is and the active table for the user. So that way, when I click run, it's just going to prompt me to pick a record from this view that I'm already on. Um, so I can actually show that quickly. So you can see here that these numbers all correspond with what's there. If I were to filter this down to where stock contains one, two, three, um, I'm going to now see only those two records as my options here. So just a quick way to whittle down um, what we're looking at here and get the user to the record that they're actually looking at on the screen very quickly. Um, so we've got, it gets the table based on the current table ID that we're on, and then the view based on the view that we're on using this cursor object that Airtable gives us. Um, then we're prompting the user to ch choose the record from that view. Um, and then we go and determine what field values we have, or excuse me, what fields are on that table. Um, and I'm pulling out just the editable fields as well as any fields that might have to do with the metadata of that record. So it might be helpful to see, you know, when the, when the record was created, when it was last modified, who it was created by, excuse me there. Um, 
et cetera. So I, I purposefully am pulling out these calculated fields to be able to display for the user because they might be helpful in trying to get to the bottom of what this record came from. Um, then it just loops through all of the fields and pushes um, any present field values into an array that could be displayed ultimately in a table. And that gets returned up here. So we're displaying all of our metadata first, if there is any, um, and then all of the fields with values. So if I choose that first record at the top here, so you can see here it's showing, I haven't actually, I could you know, make that look display pretty, prettier a little bit, but I haven't gone that far yet. But now I can see here, I do have a notes field that says, don't delete this record. So I know I don't wanna actually delete this record for whatever reason, right? Um, whereas if I picked something else, I can see, hey, this is actually something that's being used and has a lot of values on it. So I probably shouldn't delete this record. Um, so yeah, very simple, just a nice, quick, easy way to be able to see everything that a record is touching in that one table. Even just to use that as a quick way to see a vertical view of all the fields, like even that's handy because sometimes it's having to scroll all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you could quickly get rid of, if you wanted to show all of the fields, then, you know, you could just get rid of, just tweak this line so that it's only returning all the fields and not filtering out the computed ones. Right. Awesome. <laughs> that is a cool script. Thank you, Ali, for sharing that. Thank you. We are right. The first episode, many more to come. Be with to have any guests that have something cool to share with the community. We'd love to have you on. We always enjoy having guests come on the show. So reach out and we'll get you on an episode. Or if there's anything you want to see us cover, let us know. And we'd love to um, go through that with you. So hope everybody has a great week and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.